Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Talkin' Schmodown. Uh, this is going to be the show where I sit back, I kind of break down the week uh, in the movie trivia Schmodown, give my thoughts on the matches and everything that's been going on. I thought that uh, this would be a, a great time to start with the major event, uh, the Schmodown Spectacular 3 that just took place. I thought it was a perfect place to uh, get, the, get the show rolling. And I was like, what better time than now? This was a huge event. Had six matches, three videos, six and a half hours. It was inc- it was intense. There was crazy stuff that went down. I- I- I'm really excited to talk about it, and I hope you guys you guys are excited to listen. Alright, so let's get into this. Uh, so uh, so you know, my name is Josh Rayner. I am the editor-in-chief at uh, Merc with a Movie Blog. It's my site where I do my reviews and stuff like that. So uh, and this is our, our new show, Talking Schmodown. And I'm really excited for this one. I love the Schmodown. I've been following it for, for a while now. And I, I I've been wanting to, to kind of start something like this for, for quite a bit. And it, I just hadn't been doing it. I've been kind of busy doing other things, but I, I finally decided, you know what, it's now or never. And with the uh, Spectacular, I thought it was a great place, like I said. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into uh, this epic event that uh, just took place. Uh, so like I said before, this, uh, it's got uh, six matches over three videos uh, the first video has uh, the Commissioner Bowl with uh, Christian, Thad, Emma, and Tom facing off against one another. Uh, and then the second match uh, in that video was a tag team title match, uh, the Shire Wolves versus Who's the Boss. Both great matches, excited to break them down. Uh, second video was the Star Wars title match with uh, Alex Damon versus Ken Knapsack, and the number one contenders match of Clark Wolf versus Dan Merle. And then the final video, we saw the Inner Geekdom title match, Mara Knopic versus Mike Kalinowski, and the singles title match, John Roca versus Ethan Irwin. We had some great competitors, some great matches, so let's get right into it. Uh, the show starts off with uh, Tom Dagnino, Finstock, uh, just kind of scouring through the backstage. Emma comes in. He starts blaming her and her crew uh, for sit, trying to sabotage him. See, apparently, somebody stole his mask, and uh, so they kind of go back and forth for a bit. Then you see Riley come through. Uh, he goes into the office. His dog Kale's in there. Tom even goes and, and blames the dog for stealing his mask. It, it's a it's a f- kind of a entertaining little uh, opening scene. Um, it didn't quite set the tone that I was expecting maybe it's just because i wasn't expecting it and that you know so i was thrown off a little bit by uh by what was going on 
But that you know, no matter what, Dagnino is is extremely entertaining to watch. Uh, he's one one of the the most entertaining people in the Schmodown. So no matter what he's doing, it, it, it tends to it tends to to be entertaining, and be fun, no matter what. Uh, so with this event, they actually did something new, which I love. They did a like an official pre-show, which was really cool. Um, they, had, they had Brad Gilmore from the uh, Schmodown Rundown, who uh, I love those guys. I listen to them uh, every week. It's a, it's a great show. You know, they're my inspiration. You know, I, I love what they do. I love the energy that they bring. So, and and Brad, he's he's a great a great host, and he I think was probably the perfect choice to do this pre-show. Um, he just just the way he he talks to the competitors, you know, the energy that he brings to it, I thought was perfect for this. And uh, like I said, it's something that I, I absolutely loved, and. I had commented on uh, on Twitter. I tweeted something out about how I loved this pre-show, and Christian actually retweeted it and and confirmed that uh, this is something that they will be doing in future events. Events. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I hope that uh, Brad is the one who they continue to bring on. Uh, I think he's perfect for uh, for this role. He's great on the mic. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, I thought it was a great touch, you know, cause like I'm a big wrestling fan. So seeing the, the pre-shows for like WWE events, it, it, they always have the hosts kind of in the back at the table doing their thing, talking to, to people, which I thought was great. But that's something that I thought, uh, they, that the Schmodown should take from this is that in the WWE events, they kind of intersperse these um, these shots with, with with the hosts throughout the event, and I think that that actually would have been something uh, beneficial to this event. Maybe start each video with a little bit of those you know interviews because there was a ton of interviews. He spent probably close to an hour talking to people. I mean, you had people like Alex Damon, Jay Washington, Chance Ellison. Uh, we saw the return of uh, Jason Inman, which was actually one of my favorites because he pretty much confirmed the return of Team Trek, and I'm really excited for that. Uh, I mean, we got to see you know, Mark Knopic. We even got like a, uh, a, a fan from Australia, Jacob London. That was really cool. Um, we got his... Schmodown Rundown partners Chris Clark and Frank Janish. The the stuff with Frank Janish was actually really funny because it, any of you guys who listen to the show know that they have this like little feud that they do on the show, which is really entertaining. And so Brad just kept cutting him off every chance he got. So it was it was pretty entertaining. I mean, and you had you know some of the big big names. You had Mark Ellis, you had Dan Merle, the Shire Wolves, and even even John Roca. So. You know, there was a lot of people, and that's not even, you know, I didn't even name everybody that he talked to. So I think it would have actually been beneficial if they had broken down these interviews and started each video with a chunk of them. Maybe uh, had some, you know, the ones that were, you know, going to be in that video, like have Roka's interview in video three, you know, have 
the Shire Wolves, uh, uh, you know, keep the Shire Wolves in the first video, you know, have Dan Merles in the second video, you know, stuff like that. I think, uh, I don't know, I think that would have, instead of having that first hour just be all that kind of stuff, have it break it up a little bit and have it, in, you know, start off each video that way. I thought, it, I think it would have been a little bit more, more interesting. Let me know what you guys think. You know, anything that I that I talk about on here, I, I you know more than happy to, you know, get your guys' thoughts and opinions on it and kind of start a dialogue about that. I think it'd be great. Now, like I said, uh, I do wish. Oh, I'll cut that out. One of the other things I think would have been really kind of fun, um, especially because, like I said, there was so much, so many interviews. You know, there was a ton of them. I think something that would have been fun to break it up with would have been to have uh, Tom Dagnino crash one or two of these looking for his mask. This was something, obviously, that they ran throughout the entire event, this uh, thing about Tom and his mask being gone. I think it would have been really fun to have him crash a couple of these interviews looking for his mask, blaming somebody for taking his mask. It would have been really, uh, really interesting to see that. And so then after the pre-show, we got another cutscene. Uh, we saw Anarchy in a meeting. We gave us Mike, Pauly G, Chance, Ken, and Tom. Obviously, like I said, Tom's still looking for his mask, blaming everybody. And then Pauly G boots him from the room. Simple. Um, wasn't a whole ton to it. So uh, Then we had a great recap of the last year and a half or so detailing Thad's journey as the commissioner and the rise of corruption and anarchy. Uh, whoever is cutting these recap videos, they do a great job because they take, like I said, this one's like a year and a half worth of storyline and, and perfectly compress it into this couple of minute video uh, recapping everything. And it's great. So bravo to uh, the editors uh, who, who are working on that. They did a great job with, with all these. And the show starts off with uh, Thad coming out, getting booed, of course. Um, I have to say, I love the shirt that he was wearing today. It was a Hawaiian shirt made up of other little Hawaiian shirts. It was perfect. It made me kind of think of um, Josh Makuga's like, loud suits. Like I could totally see Makuga wearing a suit covered in little tiny suits. I could totally see that. And so I, I really, I really dug this uh, this Hawaiian shirt. It was really, really cool. I would, I would wear it myself. Um, then Brianne Chandler came out to sing the the Star Spangled Banner, which was really good. And then uh, Brad Gilmore and uh, Mark Ellis came out. Ellis in a big, in a bright orange suit. Speaking of suits, and uh, then we saw so we saw Brianne, Brad, and Mark on the desk for the first match. And I really, I really loved their banter between uh, the three of them. Uh, Brad's great. Like I said, in the interviews, he was great. He's also great on the table. So, uh, and, and I love Bran. I love seeing her. And Mark's always good, you know, so it, it's great to see him as well. Now, for for this match, this was the Commissioner Bowl. The promos for this one didn't really stand out for me. Uh, I wasn't really expecting them to, but it was, it was the first match. It's the pace setter. I just... The, the 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 promos were a little lackluster for me. Um, Finstock's, of course, was the most entertaining as usual. And speaking of Finstock, he was the first to come out. Came out in this half shirt with a Coors, and I was just like, "What is he wearing?" You know, it's this guy. 
He he's very entertaining. Doesn't care what anybody thinks, and I love that about him. Uh, next, uh, Emma Fife came out, followed by Thad, and then uh, Christian. Christian, I love Christian's theme. He uses the Vince McMahon theme, the um, No Chance in Hell, and I love that. He come out with with a Lacroix, of course. He's always talking about his Lacroix, and he does his uh, Arnold impression at one point, which I love. It's always it's always entertaining just to hear that. Now, uh, this match, it went by pretty pretty standard. Only a couple point difference throughout the entire first round. Um, Tom gave some pretty funny answers throughout. Uh, but when the, the biggest thing that happened in round one was question number seven, which was the category of horror thriller. And the question was, what 1999 horror film had the tagline, Heads Will Roll? Uh, the answer ended up being Sleepy Hollow. But Christian challenged it, saying, asking if Sleepy Hollow was was categorized, actually categorized as a horror film. Uh, like he he believed it, you know, be more of a fantasy film. The decision was upheld, as as Mark states that the film does have several genre descriptions, horror being one of them. So that was probably the you know the most entertaining part of that first round. Uh, the round ends with. Uh, Dagnino with four, Emma with six, Thad with six, and Christian with five. So like I said, it was real close. Everybody's within a point or two of one another. No no big blowout there in that first round or anything like that. Um, it's like I always knew that Emma was, was, was good. Like you see her, she, she always does pretty well in her matches. But I was actually pretty surprised at Thad. You don't see him. This was his singles debut, and you know we haven't seen him. Uh, compete in quite a long time so it was it was surprising to see how well he did uh in this first round here then we get into round two the spin around uh emma spins first lands on musicals and stays answers two out of three for four points but tom and thad are able to uh each steal a point off her first question then Thad spins comedy, stays. It looks kind of like he stays out of fear. He probably figures this is you know his best opportunity. He doesn't want to risk getting something that he's not going to be able to handle, which is probably smart since he he hit all three of his questions uh, for four points. He did multiple choice on a couple of them. Uh, then Christian was up next, got opponent's choice, and was given taglines by the uh, the other opponent the other players. And this really sunk him. He only was able to answer one out of three questions. And uh, Thad ended up stealing two points, and Emma actually stole three. So it was a big swing for, for Emma um, in this round. And then finally we had Tom also spinning opponent's choice, which was uh, interesting. And just right off the bat, boom, they gave him scores and soundtracks. But he actually didn't do uh, half bad. He did uh, two out of three. For three points, no steals on uh, the one that he missed. Um, Thad did challenge one of the questions. It was uh, the second question. The question it was who performed "Back in Time" from "Back to the Future." Tom answered Huey Lewis. Thad challenged that the answer should be Huey Lewis and the News, not just Huey Lewis. Uh, but the challenge was not upheld. Um, Mark says because he. You know, because he had the, the the first name, the Huey Lewis portion, and uh, because he jumped in and gave him the point, 
that he was uh, confident that Tom knew that it was you know Huey Lewis and the news, and uh, decided to give him the two points for that. Honestly, it didn't really help Tom out in any way to be be hundred percent honest, as we'll see uh, later on in the third round. Um, round two ends with Tom with eight, Emma and Thad both with twelve, and Christian for somehow in last place with seven points. This kind of blew me away. I was like, how in the hell is Christian Harloff in last place with Tom in this match? I just I I couldn't believe it. It was it was just crazy to me that we were seeing this at the end of round two. But then we had one of the most intense round threes I think I've ever seen. This was nuts. Okay, we had a total of 12 questions. Only three of them were answered. We had uh, Christian answer both his two and three point questions. Um, We had Finstock missed his first question and then challenged it. The question was, who wrote and directed the 2016 film Suicide Squad? Uh, Tom answered David Ayers with an S at the end, but the answer is David Ayer with no S. He challenged, he didn't seem to understand the difference between the two, um, so he obviously he didn't get the point for that. But he did manage to answer his three-pointer, but then when it came down to having to answer his five-pointer, couldn't pull it out and was eliminated with a score of 11 points. So then it came down to Thad and Emma to start answering some questions. They both got their they both were asked their two point questions and both missed. They both were asked their three point questions and they both missed. And then all three of the other com, com, competitors, Christian, Thad and Emma all missed their five point questions, which made the score a three-way tie of 12-12-12 between them, bringing it to sudden death. This was nuts. This is something I would have never seen coming. Everybody just just failing so hard throughout that third round. And it coming down to a three-way tie, this was insane. But it didn't take long to get a winner as the first question out the gate, we saw M.O. Fife win it with uh, the answer burlesque. Only one to get the answer. So, you know, according to the match, she becomes the commissioner. But you have to hold on because there was some crazy stuff that went on at the end of this match. Thad pulls out a shredder and shreds the uh, corruption note that he had, the envelope from Mike that had uh, whatever he was being blackmailed with, which we do find out. Uh, Pauly G comes out, which he, I'll be honest, he's a little bit of an overactor. I, I, I dig what they're doing with it, but it, sometimes it's a little much, especially here. You can actually even kind of hear the audience uh, give a little chuckle uh, during during some of his uh, his dialogue. Um, he, like I said, he comes out, he proclaims they, uh, he has another copy of uh, what was in the envelope. Paul G uh, also reveals who he's been working for, and it's none other than the commish. Christian Harloff. Now he he goes on to say that Emma will be a commissioner in the league. He says, he says that the win is legit. 
but that there will be multiple commissioners throughout the league. He doesn't he doesn't kind of go into detail at all. He doesn't elaborate. Um, it makes me wonder if they're going to have separate commissioners for each league. So maybe Emma will be the commissioner for the Inner Geekdom League because that's kind of her thing, which I think could be neat. You know, and then it makes me, you know, will there be a separate commissioner for singles, teams, and Star Wars? We'll have to wait and see. He did say that there will be uh, multiple commissioners uh, coming into this. Um, we find out that the uh, what was in the envelope was the missing page from the original contract with uh, him and Harloff. That's what was being uh, Mike was using as leverage. And uh, Harloff, he makes himself the chairman. He's no longer the commissioner. He is the chairman of the league, running everything and everyone. So that was that was pretty awesome to see. Um, I'm glad that they were able to to find a nice conclusion to this year's uh, events. All the stuff with. Uh, with corruption and, and anarchy and all that stuff. So it was nice to be able to get some logical uh, conclusions to this. So. Uh, then, then we get another cutscene, cutscene number three. Had uh, Tom and Emma in the back, which honestly was a little weird because we literally just saw them. And obviously this cutscene was recorded before all of that. So it just seemed a little little out of place just it just felt a little little off to me um tom was going like i said going on and on again about his mask still uh the fife club comes out then who's the boss comes out um and something that i noticed while watching this this was the third different set of shirts that we've seen uh, the shower wolves in just this one video like they they had Stuff early on, um, you saw them in the back during interviews, and they just had different, different attire on. It was just kind of, kind of a weird, um, just like a weird thing to notice. But I noticed it nonetheless. Uh, then we got a recap for the tag match: uh, it was the fall of the Nerds Watch, Rise of the Shire Wolves, and the Fife Club, the Road to the Belts, Anarchy Tournament, and the formation of Who's the Boss. Like I said, another great. Edited recap, you know these these things these are turning out fantastic. So like again, a, a bravo to the editing team uh, for that. Then match number two saw Shire Wolves versus Who's the Boss with the tag team titles. First out was uh, Ben Bateman and uh, Mark Riley with Finstock and Kale the Schmo Dog. Then uh, second out was uh, the Shire Wolves with Mark Andreco and pretty much every woman on the roster, and I mean like. All of them. And it was pretty cool. They are all in different costumes and stuff. It was awesome. I really dug that. This this match, it was pretty neck and neck throughout the entire thing. The first several questions, uh, they they hit them. They, you know, they kept tying up each round. Uh, then kind of fell behind a little bit here and there. But at the end of it, you know, it was a one-point difference, 12 to 13. Shire Wolves just behind that one point. Um, to be honest, I had me a little bit nervous seeing them behind, but seeing as it's a five-round match, I wasn't too worried. Then we, round two, we saw uh, the Shire Wolves. Uh, we, we, they told us that they 
removed opponents and spinner's choice from the wheel, which I think is a smart choice. Oh, you know, you want your title match to not be decided by something like that. You know that because those getting us something like opponent's choice that can sink you. And if you have that opportunity, you take those off, especially when your title is on the line. Uh, this round two, this was a crazy round two. Um, who's the boss? Deferred, and so Shire Wolf spun first. Spun Sandra Bullock and stayed with it and swept the board for all 12 points. It was fantastic to see. Um, it, it, was, it was great to see Clark do, you know, killing it in something other than horror. And we know that Sandra Bullock is one of her strong suits, so it was good to see her be able to knock this one out of the park. But the more imp- impressive thing was who's the boss who spun Festival Darlings twice and swept the board for all 12 points in an extremely impressive run nobody thought i don't even think they thought this was going to happen and it was amazing uh it was something we did not i don't know when the last time we had to go ask uh frankie numbers when the last time was we you know we saw around two where every single question was answered for the full two points where both teams swept the board, no multiple choice. This was a fantastic round two, one of the best. Uh, this is probably going to end up one of the one of the top matches, I think, of the year. It was a fantastic match. We went into round three, which is the betting round. Category uh, was Pixar. Shire Wolves bet two and missed. Who's the boss? Uh, bet three and missed which brought their scores to a tie of 22 to 22. So going into the speed round, they're all tied up. And this is where the game kind of turned around. The first question, Riley buzzes in and freezes up. It was, who was the director of uh, The Disaster Artist? And he freezes up on James Franco's name. So they lose the point. Then question two, Rachel buzzes in, nails the point. Questions three and four, nobody answers. And then question five, Rachel buzzes in again to nab the point, giving the Shire Wolves a three-point lead heading into the final round of 24 to 21. So round five, we saw a bit of back and forth going. Um, The only question that was missed was the Shire Wolves' uh, three-point question. Rachel missed... Uh, it was classics. It was the only one that was missed, and but honestly, it didn't really matter because it still allowed the Shire Wolves to win thirty-four to thirty-one. They retained their title in this epic nail biter, and uh, it, it was fantastic. They did a great job. Barely missed any questions the entire round or the entire game. And, and to have both teams score above 30 points, that is, you know, that is championship level play right there from both teams. Neither of them, or obviously not the Shire Wolves, but who's a boss definitely should not be hanging their head on this one. They they fought hard. You know, they had, you know, like I said, it was that that round four where they missed the one question and weren't able to pick up any other 
anything else in the speed round. That's really where it did them in. Um, if they were able to pick up a couple, like on the, the ones that weren't answered at all, if they were able to get just a couple, maybe things would have turned around for them. I don't, you know, I mean, they... I mean, even even if they had gotten the the two, it really wouldn't have mattered. But if they had been able to pick up some extra points here and there, they might have been able to do something. But you know, it is what it is. They they fought hard, and it's where the chips landed. Um, during the exit interview with Jen, you can hear in Riley's you can hear the tremble in in Riley's voice, and it really it really took me back. It took me aback. I was like, wow, you know, these guys they. You know, it, it hit them hard. You know, you, like I said, you could hear the, the tremble in Riley's voice. Tom was humbled, which is rare. You do not, that is something you don't see very often. Um, you can see Ben was visibly emotional. You know, this really hit them hard. You know, you can tell just how much they love this game, how important it is to them. You know, it, it it's... It's great to kind of see that once in a while, but it's also kind of heartbreaking to see, you know, just it's kind of you just kind of see the pain in their in their eyes after a loss like this. You know, it's it's disheartening at times, but you know they they're great, and uh, I know hopefully we'll see some great stuff from from both of them next season. Then we got another cut scene. Uh, we had Ben Bateman in the back. He was you know very upset about the loss. Um, guy comes in, you know, the, he's talking to him, making, you know, seem like things are okay. They, you know, they, guy, you know, talks about how, you know, he, he's got a, Ben's got a good thing going on with Riley and, you know, how he's got, you know, a, a, someone that he's looking at for a new partner. So they decide to part ways and it seems like everything's good. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, boom, tackle number two. Right through a coffee table. It was fantastic to see. It was like, holy shit. I couldn't believe seeing uh, seeing him spear Ben right through a coffee table. It was fantastic. That'll definitely be on uh, a moment of the year for uh, for, for the Schmodown during the awards. So. And that's how we ended video number one. It was with the spear number two. It was a great video we saw some awesome stuff in it and uh i i i was a huge fan that hooked me i was like wow if this is if this is the 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 way this event is gonna go whoo we are in for a ride for the for the other two videos and that was a three hour video that was the longest out of out of all of them so it was nice kind of going into video number two which was only an hour and a half it's like whoo you know, it's almost like whew, a little breather. Okay, don't have to have so much stuff just shoved at me, you know, uh, like we were in the first one. But like I said, you know, even if we had had, you know, 20 minutes of interviews at the front end of it and, and cut out some from the first video and stick them in here, it still would have been under two hours. I really think it could have worked. You know, that first video would have been just over two hours this one would have been just under two hours and the last one would have been just over nothing would have been insanely long or anything like that i think it would have actually worked really well but maybe next time who knows so video two starts out with a cutscene of mike ken and chance they come up on uh alex damon who's uh kind of looks like he's like meditating he's doing his jedi thing 
ends up he's a force ghost and uh he it ends up they do this thing where he's a force ghost which was kind of cool i dug that but i'll be honest i had no idea who the guy was that he was with uh maybe it's something that i missed i have no idea this happened a couple of times throughout this event um i'll talk about another one in, in the next video um, I had no idea who this guy was, so if someone out there can tell me who that guy was, who uh, Damien was with, please let me know in the comments. Um, and something that I never noticed before, the Star Wars belt has pouches on it, and I never noticed that before, and I was like, huh, interesting. I thought that was kind of a cool look for it, but... Uh, and then we move into a recap for the Star Wars League, and then uh, we head into the match, Christian and Mark are on the desk... We get some promos. Ken, he's great on the mic as always. Um, and it, it's kind of funny if you if you look at the you know the personalities of Alex and Ken in this. Alex is definitely the Luke Skywalker, whereas Ken he is the Darth Vader, and I think that works perfectly for uh, for something like this. Ken ends up coming out first, followed by Alex. It's a pretty back and forth uh, first round. Ten questions, only a couple of missed answers at the end of the round. It's nine to eight, uh, Damon over uh, Knapsack. So, like I said, these guys they know their stuff. Real close match. Getting to round two, Ken spins a uh, Phantom Menace and keeps it. He gets uh, out of his five questions, he answers four of them for seven points. But Damon does get a two-point steal off uh, one of one of the questions. Then Alex spins uh, Force Awakens, keeps it, and does the same, four out of five. And then Ken gets a two-point steal. So it kind of balances itself out a little bit there. Ends up being 19-17 uh, to 17 at the end of round two. Again, these guys really know their stuff. But... It's round three that really turns the tide for this match. Category spun, Rogue One. Alex gets the question correct for three points. Ken gets it wrong and loses three points. It's a six-point swing, bringing the total 24 to or 22 to 14. This is this is where it turned the tide. If Ken had been able to get this question right, it may be a whole different ball game. You know, once you're down eight points, it's really hard not just to gain the points back, but to get into the right headspace to be able to answer these questions. Because once you start getting defeated like that, it is really difficult. And this is not just for, for trivia, this is for anything. You know, once you start getting beat that bad, it's hard to get out of, you almost get into like a like a funk about it, so it, it's hard to come out of that. And then so you know you go into round four, and you know Ken and Alex go back and forth. Alex answers a question. Ken answers a question. Alex answers a question. Then Alex gets the last two. He buzzes in for the last two, and gets them wrong. Uh, question four. He stumbled to get the answer out. And then question five, he jumped the gun and didn't hear the whole question and answered incorrectly. So it gave, it allowed Ken to go up a little bit. He the end of the the round ended up twenty two 
to 15. So he essentially he gained a point um, during that match. Then we go into round five. We see Ken answer his two and three point questions. And his five, he answers all three. He answers his two, three, and five before Alex even has to do anything. But he, he does it. He runs all three for the ten points. He nails all his questions in that last round. But then Alex hits his two and three, and that's the end end of the match, you know. Uh, unfortunately for Ken, he just fell behind in that, in that third round, uh, in the betting round. He fought hard to come back, but you know he, like I said, he even answered all three of his final questions. But it just wasn't wasn't enough to keep the demon at bay. Um, and so Alex retains his title. Maybe at some point Ken will get a get a rematch. Who knows? But at the moment, it, I don't see that happening. Alex actually threw out a challenge to Sam Witwer uh, for Star Wars Celebration, which. Uh, I will talk about a little bit later toward the end uh, about what the possibility of that might be. You can see Ken is a bit defeated, you know, during the exit interviews, and uh, he's out there with Mike. So, but you know, Mike kind of monopolizes it, and you know, he talks about how you know, pissed off he is and how he's ready to demolish Mara during the Inner Geekdom match. Then uh, we head into another cutscene. We got the Horsemen, but noticeably, no Matt Nost. Um, the horsemen are pumping up Merle for his match. Um, Roca says that uh, Nose has something to talk to him about later on, which we do find out later. And then we get a recap of Dan and Clark's careers. These are two of the best players that, uh, th- that this game has seen. And they put on a, a fantastic match here for, for match number four. This is the number one contenders match. We got uh, Promost, two great competitors, both with class and style, you know, just praising each other and, and, and you know, being confident and hoping that they'll win. Uh, then out comes Dan Merle with Roka, Riley, and Inman. And then second is uh, Clark Wolf with Rachel, Emma, and Ma- uh, Mark and Draco. Now this round, it, again, just like pretty much all of the other matches during this, this event, it's been real close in that first round. You know, the, the first f- five questions, boom, 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 boom. They're answering a one-for-one, one-for-one, one-for-one. They both miss um, the sixth question. Um, and then we get a little bit of a, a, little bit of a stumbling block. And, and, and Clark gets a point behind by the end. It's seven to six at the end of round one. Then round two, Clark goes first, spins Scorsese, spins away, and gets coming of age. Answers two out of four for four points. Uh, one of them, one of the misses is a two-point steal for Dan. The other one, he, he's not able to steal. So that kind of hurt uh, Clark quite a bit there. And then Dan spun fantasy sci-fi and answered all four for seven points. He, you know, he went to multiple choice once. So that that put her behind ten to fifteen, and that really hurt. Um, yeah, it's it's always hard to come back from a five five point deficit, especially in a three round match. And, and you know, so going into round three, down by five. You know, she Clark got her two point question, but then missed. 
both her three and her five. And so Dan Merle wins via TKO, 12 to 15. It was a rough one for her. The scores do sound like, you know, I, I had said, you know, these are all great matches. And this was a great match in general. You know, the fact that it's a three-round a three round match, you know, you're not going to see as much, as many points. But, you know, it was, it was just rough. You know, and Dan had a rough start to this season, but he ended it on a high. Whereas Clark had a great season overall and kind of had a few, you know, stumbling points here in the singles league. But... It, it is what it is. She, throughout her whole career, it's been kind of on and off with the singles league. I think she's now 8-7. and seven. You know, so it, it, with her for the singles, it's kind of on and off. But she plays some of the highest caliber uh, opponents in this league. So, you know, that it's, you know she's gotten multiple title shots, which means she is up there. You know she's up there. And it's, it's not something that you... That you have that you can look over, you know. When it comes to Clark, you you no matter what, she'll always be in that picture because she is that good. Uh, now during the exit interviews, there was actually I noticed some mic issues during Clark's interview. Like it sounded a little uh, muffled, and then it completely cut out at one point, and then it came back. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, and but as far as 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 Clark herself and everything, she even says, you know, playing two matches in one day, it's rough. And it, it, it rarely works out for anybody. So, like, I understand, you know, she, like I said, she won. Luckily, she, she, her and Rachel retained the tag titles. Unfortunately, she was not able to get the uh, number one contenders match to get her shot at, uh, you know, singles gold. But she'll get that shot again. I, I have faith. Got another cutscene, Tom Dagnino in an alley, presumably looking for his mask. This this was the one that I was like, there's nothing to this. It's literally just him wandering around an alley. There's no dialogue. He's, yeah, he doesn't say, hey, where's my mask? Blah, 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 blah. Nothing. He's just wandering around an alley, and he just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and then turns, and that's it. It's like, um, okay. Could have done without that one. I understand they want to keep that story going throughout but i kind of just kind of wish they had done something else maybe somebody was in the alley even just like a random person maybe the gardener is a garbage man out there or something like that and he accuses the garbage man anything would have been more entertaining than just watching him walk down an alley i don't know and that was actually the end of the video which is even more disappointing that that's how they ended the video and then we end up moving into video three. We have cutscene. Some now here. Here's the other one. Whereas I said um, with Alex Damon before, like I had no idea who that guy was. This is the other one I was talking about. The cutscene. We were in a car with two people, and I honestly have no idea who they are. Maybe it's something I missed. Maybe it's some people that I just don't remember. I'm not sure. Let me know in the comments if you know who these two people in the car were. But. Tom is also in the car in the back seat looking for his mask. And it was actually kind of entertaining, even though I had no idea who they were. And we got a recap following uh, the anarchy in the age of the inner geekdom. Um, we got the rise of Mark Knopic, uh, the rule of, of KO, all that kind of stuff. Another great raw edited recap video. It was fantastic. 
Um, then we had the promos. Mara was very confident, yet humble. And Mike, well, he was just being Mike. You know, he's being the killer, being corruption, anarchy, all of those things. That That's just what he is. And he's great at it. I love heel, uh, as I like to call it, Helenowski. That's what I, that's my hashtag for it, hashtag Helenowski. So I love, uh, I've loved it since he's been doing this. So I hope that he continues to do the heel thing for a while, even though um, the whole corruption thing with with Thad and everything is kind of done. I hope he still, I hope he finds a way, I hope they find something for him to do as a heel, because he's really good at it. I really dig it. So match five of the night is the Inner Geekdom title match, Mark Knopic versus Mike Kalinowski. Mike comes out first, has some words with Christian. Uh, then Mar comes out in a unicorn onesie. And it was really fun to see. You have these two very different uh, dress styles between these two competitors. You have Mike in the full black suit, you know, jacket, shirt, black tie, black sunglasses. And then you have Mark and Opic in this just like crazy little unicorn onesie. It was hilarious to see and I loved it. It shows how different these two are even though they are very similar in, in certain ways as well. Uh, we find out that the stipulation on this one is if Mara wins, she goes on to the live show in New York to defend uh, the title. And if Mike wins, uh, we see Mara versus Mike 3 at uh, the live show. So we'll talk a little bit about the result of that at the end of this match. Round one, uh, they kind of went back and forth here and there, you know, missing a couple here, missing a couple there, boom, boom, boom. But they stayed pretty much within one another, ending um, seven to, you know, ending round one, seven to six. Round two, uh, we saw Mara defer to Mike, who spun Star Wars, and respun to Middle Earth. Now, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the respin. I would never. Like, I love Star Wars, and even if I felt like I knew Star Wars fairly well, unless I'm someone like Scrimshaw or Damon, or even possibly Knapsack or something, I'm not taking Star Wars because those questions are so deep because they're not only in inner geekdom, they're in normal singles play, they're in team play. And there's an entire league of Star Wars. These questions, they've burned through so many Star Wars questions that these things tend to be deep. So I don't blame, I don't blame anybody who uh, spins away from that category unless they are like uber, uber confident that they know they're Star Wars. So like I said, he spins uh, Middle Earth and he goes four for five. For seven points, Mara gets one uh, two-point steal off of it. Then Mara uh, spins. See now, Mara also spins Star Wars and re- and and chooses to respin. Like I said, definitely understand that. Would do the exact same thing if I was in uh, either of their shoes. The problem is, she respins and gets who said it. Now this is. A category that you don't see super often, but it's it's one of the ones that is the toughest. It's kind of almost like the mailbag, or not the mailbag, the mixed bag 
of the singles and team division. It's the who the who said it, it can come from any anywhere, and they most of the time they don't really give you any any sort of hint. Um, so she goes three for five for five points. Mike gets one steal for for one point, and, and doesn't get the uh, the the second steal off of this one, bringing the total points to uh, a tie of fourteen to fourteen. So I, I, I really. Part of me feels like it was this second round that kind of did her in. If she had been able to do a bit better, I think things would have turned around a bit. We get to category three, or uh, round three, which is the category of DC movies. Mara and Mike both answer correctly, but Mara only bet one point, whereas Mike bet two, making the score 15 to 16 at the end of round three. Then we head into round four. Uh, it kind of goes back and forth. Mara gets an answer. Mike gets an answer. Mara gets two answers. Then Mike gets an answer. Tying it up again at the end of round four. 18 to 18. Now, like I said, if she had been able to do better, even just getting a point, in, in an extra point in round two, uh, you know, the two questions that she missed went, you know, she both she went to multiple choice on both of them, um, and if something had gone differently, we we'd be talking a whole different situation at the end of this match. Round five, they both answer their two and their three point questions, and then they both miss their five point question, tying it up, twenty three to twenty three. For another match heading into sudden death. And then with this one, we end up three rounds deep before the end of it. And in that third question, Mara misses the question. It's a star, again, a Star Wars question. Uh, Mara gets it incorrect. Mike uh, answers the, the, you know, answers the question correctly with Plo Koon. And the, the, the thing about this question, you can tell. That Mara is visibly annoyed, upset, because Mike sh- stretches out the answer, stretches out the win, knowing he knows he has the answer. You can tell he pulls a Ben Bateman and milks it, and it makes her it makes her mad. And I totally get that. But there's people on and and the YouTube comments and shit going after her, saying, "Oh, you know." That attitude was ugly, you know, disappointed in her. She shouldn't be acting like a sore loser. It's like, you don't say this shit when someone like John Roca flies off the handle. It's like, just because she's normally quiet and reserved doesn't mean that she doesn't take this game seriously. She, Like I said, she was visibly upset. She takes this game as seriously as the rest of these people, and... She doesn't play these mind games. She answers the questions. So, sure, it pisses her off when someone like Mike... She, it would probably piss her off with Ben, too. Going in there and milking it, especially on that last question, knowing that he won. Like, we get it, but these people attacking her for that, you guys can fuck off. Because that ain't cool. So, Mike wins 26-25. to 25. And, you know, like I said, it was a hard-fought match, but 
you know, it's, it's that round. I keep going back to that round two. You know, if she had just been able to answer one of those questions, she would have that title. Mike would be out. Boom. But you know, like I love Mike. I, you know, and I'm happy for him. But I was really rooting for Mara in this one. Unfortunately, it was not. You know, it wasn't meant to be. I suppose. And you know, this whole thing about with with Mike stretching out. You know, it's kind of like rubbing salt in a wound. You know, and these players they take this game seriously, and sometimes. It can like I, I you can tell that sometimes it gets to these these players when when the other when the competitors do stuff like that when their opponents do stuff like that. Now here's my question because at the beginning the stipulation was if Mike wins, we will see Mara versus Mike three at the live event. But during the exit interview, Mara says that she's taken a step back. Now. Does that mean that Mike will face somebody else? Will Mike and Mara still happen? I don't know. Um, I, I I hope that she's able to just take some time off until the live event. She got like a month. I think it was like a month. A little over a month. I mean from now, yes. Over, a little over a month um, before that. So hopefully it gives her a chance to rest and relax and and kind of think about everything and hopefully come to some sort of terms with everything that's happened and be okay to play again i I don't know if it will happen but like i'll be very sad if she if she completely leaves ishmona if the brown dwarf star doesn't return because i love her she's one of my favorite competitors um she she makes for me she makes the inner geekdom that much better. So I really hope she sticks around. Uh, then we get a cut scene with uh, Ethan Irwin and Jay Washington. Jay being his silly self, which is really off-putting lately. Um, so you know, I was so used to you know heel Jay coming out and he's yelling and screaming, and then we get this nice, almost bubbly Jay Washington, and it, I'll be honest, kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's like. What is going on here? Stop it. And then Roka comes out, starts, you know, slamming Jay. Jay fires back. These two are some of the best smack talkers in the game, and I absolutely love it. Um, Irwin actually gives uh, Roka his props, but says he's still going to take him down. Jay and Roka kind of go back and forth again, a little bit of an explosive uh, uh, back and forth. And then Tom, he's in the back. Still looking for his mask. This guy is hilarious. But yeah, Jay and and John, they are two of the best. And I love seeing them kind of go back and forth. And it almost makes you uncomfortable watching them go back and forth with one another. But it's still super entertaining and I I love it. I wouldn't mind seeing more uh, of the two. Um, We get a recap of Roka's long story career from... As a lot of people have called it, from Bespin to Destined, uh, the two-time singles champ, you know, making his way throughout uh, throughout the league, and then we get uh, some stuff of uh, Ethan Irwin, his short but impressive career, 
And then we move right into the match. The main event, John Roca versus Ethan Irwin for the Schmodown Championship of the World, the singles championship. We get uh, some promos. Like I said, Roca's one of the best on the mic. He, he just he gives it all he's got every single time. And uh, with Ethan, I think it's actually great for him to have Jay there, especially when he's up against someone like like a John Roca. We get, he's kind of like the Paul Heyman for him, you know. Like, Ethan can handle himself, but going up against someone like Roca sometimes is good to have someone who can fire right back, you know, right back with it and get right on that same level. It's a, it's, he's a great foil for Ethan. Um, and we see uh, Jay comes out, interrupts Christian, who, uh, who, was, who was doing the intros, and he himself intros Ethan Irwin, uh, Jay he, Jay is a great hype man. He he does a fantastic job of bringing out his people, no matter who it is, whether it's the Viper Squad or you know it's Ethan, doesn't matter. He's great at hyping up his people. Uh, then Roka comes out with Nost and Riley. I, where was Nost earlier? Who knows? I don't honestly. I don't think they ever actually said where he was. He was probably honestly just busy doing something, but. He he's he's there for for this match, and we get a little bit of news uh, at the end. So round one goes, and it it's boom boom boom. The two of them just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, they each miss one question, they're the same question, and they end up tied seven to seven at the at the end of round one. It's so far great match. Um, round two, uh, Roca they tell us Roca chose uh, not to have opponents in spinner's choice, which that's fantastic. That's the way it should always be when it comes to that. Um, it's, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team or a, a champion not choose to do that because it's really not a smart thing otherwise. Uh, Ethan spins first. He gets Denzel Washington, sticks with it, answers four for four for seven points. And then Roca spins Ridley Scott, respins, and ends up on sports movies. And only answers two out of four. And uh, Ethan gets a one-point steal off one of the questions. So it was kind of a rough round for Roka. And the round two ends 11-15. to 15. So Roka's down four points at the end of round two. Uh, round three, we uh, get the category of disaster movies. Uh, they both end up uh, answering correctly. Roka bet two, Ethan bet three. So it widens the gap a little bit 13 to 18 so we got a five point gap going into round four and then with round four it's just a back and forth roca gets one ethan gets one roca gets one ethan gets one and then we get to the final question in round four and the question is who plays pfc hirschberg in the war film inglorious bastards you hear ethan say is he in this room and then roca says I don't want to take the chance because the answer was none other than Sam Levine. And of course, Sam was in the audience. He came uh, you know, onto the stage. It was a fantastic the, the crowd erupted. It was a great little little thing. Apparently, uh, you find out later on that apparently Jen Sturger was the one who actually wrote that question. So it was pretty cool. Well that was fantastic. I always wondered if they would ever actually use um, Sam Levine as an answer, and 
sure enough, there they are using Sam Levine as an answer, which was awesome. But this, uh, it, it kept that gap at five, so it was 15 to 20 going into the final round. Uh, Roka hits his two pointer, but then misses both his three and his five, giving Ethan a TKO 17 to 20. And Ethan wins. He's the first rookie to take home gold. So that's a huge win for Ethan Irwin. Um, this is this is this is something that is gonna go down in the books. Um, he he may. I definitely think he is probably top pick for rookie of the year. Maybe even player player of the year now. Um, a, a, after a win like this, it, it's it's insane. Um, it's a shame that Roca couldn't end the season as the champ, but you know we still got an amazing uh, out promo from Roca, and then we learn that Matt Nost is retiring from the Schmodown, and that is so disappointing. I love Matt Nost. You know he may not be the strongest competitor, but he was. I always loved seeing him there. I love that guy. So it's really sad to see no more top ten. You know. And it's like, what's going to happen with the five horsemen? There's not five anymore. I'm wondering, it, will they announce a new fifth member at the, the live show at New York? Who knows? Maybe they'll get a woman in there this time. Who knows, man? Um, but yeah, it was it was a great match and a sad ending on, on multiple, multiple accounts. And then we get Christian Harloff's big announcement to end out the show. So I'm going to kind of break this down. The movie trivia showdown will no longer be on Collider Video. The, the, the Spectacular will be the last videos to be on uh, the Collider Video uh, YouTube channel. They will be moving the show back over to the Schmoes No feed, uh, the Schmoes No channel. So if you aren't subscribed to uh, Schmoes No on YouTube, head over there. Subscribe to Schmoes Know. That way you can uh, see uh, the content over there. <coughs> uh, they will, you know, because of all of this, they will now be renting the Collider Studio and paying for the crew, which is a huge increase in budget. So, because Collider used to, obviously, they covered the space and the crew that was working, you know, the behind-the-scenes crew. Um, that's what they contributed to the Schmodown. But now that they are no longer doing that, the cost of the show has increased greatly. So people, join the Patreon. One dollar a month. You can walk around town, pick up some cans, scrounge pennies and nickels off the ground. You can get a dollar. I, I, I don't believe, like, I'm sorry, but I don't buy anybody who says they can't get one dollar each month somehow. If they really, really want this content... If it's something that is important to them and they really want this content, they can make that $1 work. $1. 100 pennies. You can make it work. You know, you could go outside and shake a cup around for a month and make a make a dollar. You know, just go off and sell one thing for 12 bucks every year and you'll have enough for the whole year. Sell a DVD or something for 12 bucks, whatever it is. You can sell anything. 12 bucks, boom. You got a year's worth of the schmodown. 
if this is something that you love, if this is something that you want to see continue to grow, support it. Find a way to get that dollar per month. One stinking dollar per month. You're talking three cents, three and a half cents a day. That's nothing. Come on. No more excuses, people. If you are watching the show and you're loving it, support it. I myself currently am a $10 patron. I'm going to move up to the 11 for the live streaming uh, tier, which I'll talk about in a minute. <coughs> but get that dollar in there, man. You get a whole lot of content for just a dollar. One dollar. Just do it. <sighs> now, the singles division will continue to be on the YouTube channel, on the, uh, the Schmoes No YouTube channel. It will air every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you don't want to be a patron, you can at least still watch the singles division. Uh, For patrons, though, there's going to be a whole lot of good stuff coming on. Um, They're bringing back Inside Schmodown with Ken Knapsack. They haven't set a day yet. But the dollar dollar and up patrons will get it a day early from when they decide to start airing it. Then you get the teams and inner geek uh, inner geekdom divisions will be Patreon only. So if you want to watch team matches, if you want to watch inner geekdom matches, you better start signing up. Uh, it'll air Tuesdays for the two dollar and up patrons, or Wednesdays for the one dollar patrons. So you you pay a dollar, you'll be able to watch teams and inner geekdoms on Wednesday, like one dollar, and you can watch all these extra matches. Um. If you really don't want to, you know, pay, you can listen to it on the podcast feed. But it's really not the same. You know, you really want to watch this stuff. I've tried listening to it; it's it's okay, but you really want to see what's going on when when it come when it comes to this. So pay that dollar. <clears throat> uh, they're also going to continue doing the exhibition matches every uh, every month for the ten dollar and up patrons. You'll get uh, you know sp- nice special exhibition matches, which will be available two weeks later for the dollar and up patrons. So still at one dollar, you're still gonna get these exhibition matches. Yes, it'll be two weeks after they they come out for the other patrons, but you're still gonna get these extra matches that aren't gonna be on YouTube. So pay that dollar. Uh, we're also they're also gonna be doing player commentaries and uh, early release matches for five dollar and up patrons. And then uh, he gave a little bit of a breakdown of some of the upcoming exhibition matches. The next exhibition match for January will be uh, the Schmoes will be reuniting once again to face off for one time only against the Patriots. That's right. Jeff Snyder and JTE will reunite for one night only to face the Schmoes of Mark Ellis and Christian Harloff in an exhibition match, one-time Patreon-exclusive match. Definitely want to get that. $10 and up, and you get that right when it uh, comes out. $1 and up, and you get it two weeks after. You definitely don't want to miss uh, that match. That sounds fantastic. Um, something that he, that Christian talked about that they're going to try to do is uh, to, to start li- – they're going to try to live stream the New York event. And that'll be something that they will be doing um, in the future as well with other stuff. Um, the $10 and up 
uh, patrons will get the live stream that night, or you can pay two ninety nine to to watch it right then and there. You don't have to sign up; you just pay a one time two ninety nine, and you can watch the live stream that night with everybody else. Then in February, uh, they're starting a new show called Schmodown Throwdown. It'll be a live stream double header, so you get two matches live streamed right on Patreon. You don't want to miss that. And he announced uh, a new tier, like I was talking about before, the $11 tier. It's called the live stream tier. It will include everything from the $10 tier, but you'll also get access to every single live stream event that they do, whether it's one, two, three. You know, it doesn't matter how many they do in a month. You'll get every single live stream event that they do. Um, non-patrons will still be able to pay uh, to watch the live stream. He didn't say whether it'll they'll all be two ninety nine or not, but he did say that uh, non-patrons will be able to pay to see the live streams that night. Then uh, in March we'll be getting the free for all three live from Los Angeles. <clears throat> Then uh, in April, they're, ho- they're aiming to do Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. And so hopefully, um, with them going to Star Wars Celebration, they'll actually be able to do this Alex Damon-Sam Witwer Star Wars match. That would be fantastic. I'd love to see that. If they can make that like an annual thing, that'd be awesome. Uh, and then they're also apparently aiming to do uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, to, to do a live show in Orlando and return a uh, return to New York, I'm kind of hoping maybe New York Comic Con in October. That would be really cool. Um, I, I would love to do that. I'd love to. I was really kind of bummed that they didn't do it this year because I was actually at New York Comic Con for once and nothing. I did meet a couple of people down there. I uh, met Gray Drake and um, uh, Dorian Parks, which they were both really cool. But uh, I was really hoping to. Uh, See see some Schmodown or something, but unfortunately they were unable to make it to uh, New York Comic Con this this year. And that was it for the big uh, announcement. Then we get one final cutscene for the show, and it's we see Finstock's mask. Someone's holding Finstock's mask. They throw it in a can in a little trash can, and they light it on fire. It pans up. You hear a cackling laugh. And it's none other than the captain, Robert Meyer Burnett. That's right, baby. Robert Meyer Burnett is back in the Schmodown, and it's going to be fantastic. I am so excited to see uh, Robert back. I've missed him for you know so long. I know some stuff went down, but I, I, I'm real excited to see him come back, so... Yeah, well, 2019 is going to be fantastic. So, I hope you guys, uh, you know, enjoyed, you know, my uh, this the new show, Talking Schmodown. Um, you know, I'm still I'm getting into the swing of it. So, you know, as as it progresses, hopefully, I'll be able to, you know, make it a little smoother. And obviously, this was a longer show because it was, you know, a huge event. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this every week. Um, hopefully my, my aim is to get this thing out, uh, every Monday so that you guys have, you know, a chance to, to, to watch the stuff and, uh, and, and, you know, be at your leisure and then you can listen and, you know, and I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to butt heads 
with any of the you know the, the other shows like the Schmodown Rundown because I know they air on the weekend. So do my thing on on Monday, and uh, you know it, it, it was real fun. I really enjoyed um, talking about you know everything that happened. I I love the Schmodown. It's one of the things that I I watch every single week, no matter what. I I, I can't get enough of it. Um, I'm so excited to see what happens in in 2019 um so yeah uh if you guys have any suggestions or anything you know definitely uh, drop them in the comments you know i'd love to hear it i'm going to even though this is technically the end of the season i'm still going to be releasing episodes you know every week even leading up for the next month before the season starts you know i'll, I'll you know probably do an episode um i know that there is the uh the holiday themed exhibition match that should be dropping uh, I believe this coming week so I'll probably uh, do one about that and I'll you know obviously I'll make sure it's labeled so that those of you who haven't had a chance to see it um, you know it doesn't get spoiled or anything like that for you until you get a chance but make sure you sign up for patreon that way you can watch it um, and then you know there's the the, the awards. And I'll probably, you know, do like an episode or two about, you know, what I'm expect, you know, what I think is going to happen, you know, what my hopes are for the season and that kind of stuff. So I look forward to uh, hearing you guys' thoughts on this, and uh, I'm real excited to, uh, to to give you guys some some fun schmodown content. Uh, make sure you follow me on uh, social media. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Merc with a Movie Blog. And I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at MovieBlogMerk. So follow me there. Uh, I post reviews on my website, www.MerkWithTheMovieBlog.com. I've been, I slowed down for a while, but I'm going to be getting back into it uh, very soon. Kind of, I want to start pumping out more, especially in the new year. That's, that's my resolution is to really start pumping out more stuff, more content. So again, thank you so much for listening. This is uh, Josh Rayner for Talking Schmodown, and I-, I hope you had a great time. And to quote the great Christian Harloff, let's get ready to Schmodown.